This is the world of Salesforce and Dropbox, HubSpot and Evernote, a world unthinkable without cloud software services. Most businesses and consumers use SaaS every day to get work done. Driven by the internet and ever-expanding availability of bandwidth, SaaS has come to dominate our lives in a very short span of time. But developing a defining service, often ahead of its time, getting users to engage, secure funding, protect IP, and building a truly remarkable and successful SaaS is not an easy task. SaaS Stories brings conversations with the dreamers and visionaries who dare to think ahead. How they build their SaaS, genesis, struggles, trials, tribulations, and eventually success. Welcome to SaaS Stories. Thank you for your time and for joining us in this session. I have a favor to ask. While you continue to listen to the podcast, please leave a comment or rating at iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from. I personally look at each comment and will give you a shout out to each of you in our following episodes. It means a lot to hear from you. Just a quick intro to Pitchlink. Typically, once the explainer video on your site is watched, the communication plan falls squarely on the visitor's court. Your prospect who took the trouble to find you via your search-optimized content or various digital marketing advertising now has landed on your website and watched your succinct explainer. She's interested in your product. What next? Now she has to navigate your website, go to various links to see product information, detailed demos, customer testimonials, and use cases. That's when she drops off. No one except the desperate has the patience. Build your story, line up all relevant information and collaterals targeted to each ICP and lead them to a cogent near personal narrative. Capture their data if you so desire or lead them to your existing funnel to register, all with the public pitch link feature. Want to know more? Sign up for a free one-on-one session. Welcome to this new exciting episode of SaaS Stories. We speak today with Marcus Rensch, founder of Remarkable. First, determine are customers profitable because there's a high correlation between profitable customers and successful customers. Why? Because successful customers will buy more. They will buy expansions. They will buy upsells so that the value they are contributing every month is growing. So, and that's also the idea behind our customer value of growth that you acquire customers where you can create a lot of value and continue to grow the customer value, and then you monetize it. So basically, it's it's about um, maximizing the customer value and monetize it. Whereas most SaaS companies, are the strategy is maximize the number of customers. So in the process, they spend all these, these high customer acquisition costs. They have churn rates of, I don't know, 15 to 20%, which is insane. And in the process, they are burning a lot of money. Marcus is the CEO of Remarkable, a consulting company helping SaaS companies to turn churn into profitable growth. He has spent the last years developing a new business framework called Customer Value-Led Growth, a unique approach designed to continuously grow the value for the customer and their lifetime value in return. Marcus is passionate about challenging the status quo and prior to starting Remarkable, he has worked in various roles in controlling and corporate development. Now, on to this thoughtful episode with Marcus Rensch. Let's dive into this episode. Marcus, uh, welcome to our show. I would 
like to start by asking you uh, to tell about the work you have been doing at Remarkable, and and then we'll get on with the uh, with the chat. All right. Yeah, Remarkable is um, a consulting firm for SaaS companies. I'm the founder and the only employee, so it's really a one-man show. Um, what I help SaaS companies with is to um, change the business in a more uh, customer-centric way. So I feel like um, most SaaS companies um, talk about themselves as super customer-centric, but the truth is most of it is just marketing speech, and what you're really doing is they are really self-centric. Mm. So my, my mission is to, to help companies from the, what I call the, the customer acquisition-led growth model to the customer value-led growth model. And I would like to explain um, the framework and the, the philosophy behind and yeah, and why it's, it's, it's what you need to do in the future. Absolutely. So I'm a big believer of buyer centricity. And I will take it one step forward when I say that I really believe that the buying selling transaction process is heavily dependent and controlled by the buyer. It's not like what it was 20 years back, where the salesperson had all the information. And especially in the SaaS world, it is absolutely buyer-driven, right? So you can see the growth of product-led growth, which is also, you can talk about conversational marketing. These are all basically indicators that the buyers are far more crucial in this process. And it's not just, oh, I'll go, I'll advertise, and I'll find people who will buy me, right? So... What do you think about that, Marcus? Yeah, I think I think the product growth model is really interesting. But um, my idea um, of of a growth strategy is, let's say, on a, a more global scale. So basically, to me, it doesn't matter if you're product-led growth or uh, marketing or sales-led growth, mm-hmm. because um, no matter how the customer um, buys your product and uses your product. Um, the customers buy the product because they want to, to get value from the product. Right. So it doesn't really matter how you're starting it because it's just a, about, about the outcome for the customer. Absolutely. So in customer value at growth, is, is you basically could use it um, combined with all three different um, go-to-market models. Mm, mm. So that's, that's the beautiful thing. So the core idea of customer value at growth is... Um, that you, you acquire customers only if they are a strong fit. So yeah. only if, if you can say, these are the customers that will benefit a lot of our product. Mm. So, and, and that's that's a fundamental shift to what most SaaS companies do today because the companies I've seen and the companies I've, I've worked with, they really go to the market and say, everybody is our customer. Mm. But, right. but that's not true. So yeah. they are really... They are um, employing a ton of salespeople and marketers. They generate um, thousands of leads per month for at least they call them leads. Mm. But the truth is they are not leads. Right. So when they, they, they sign up customers at all costs, they, the, the, the infamous over, overselling from sales is all, always uh, very present. Mm. And then customer success teams are the ones who need to work magic and make this customer successful. Mm. But not everybody, not every customer um, is meant to be successful because not everybody has the right expectations and not the right, doesn't possess uh, the right means to become successful. 
So if a customer lacks resources or the basic knowledge or the, the right company culture, these customers won't be successful. And all you generate by acquiring them, by convincing them to buy, despite the misfit, is you create churn, a lot of right. churn. Yes. So when so many SaaS companies, they are burning so much money because they are really spending on acquiring everybody. And at the same time, they generate a lot of churn. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's, let's step back for a moment. Uh, this is a very interesting point because we have been talking about this literally for months together. Uh, selling to the right customer or the finding a customer product fit it is not so much as product market fit. I mean, I, I guess people will say it's the same thing, but it can be defined in many ways. But I think ensuring that the customer's expectation and the outcome that they want to achieve, the fact that you can or cannot deliver that, saying that upfront is extremely crucial. So, so let's start by you explaining your, your framework of customer value-led growth. So basically, the framework behind this is that you first need to identify um, who is the right customer. Mm-hmm. So for doing that, you need to dive into your data. So it's much more complicated when it just started out. But for companies that are running already a few years, you need to really dive into the data and first uh, determine are customers profitable? Because there's a high correlation between profitable customers and successful customers. Mm. Why? Because successful customers will buy more. They will buy expansions. They will will buy upsells Mm. so that the value they are contributing every month is growing. So there usually should be a high overlap between these two groups. Okay. And from there, my idea is that you are reverse engineering your ideal customer profiles. Mm. So you, you say, okay, what is it that my most successful customers get? What value do they get? Mm. And also how, how profitable they are. Because, of course, you, you want to grow profitable. So basically, you are um, matching the two, the two uh, sides, your internal side and the external side. The external is the customer who gets a lot of value. And the internal side is that because the customer gets so much value, the customer is highly profitable. So, and that's also the idea behind our customer value of growth, that you acquire customers where you can create a lot of value and continue to grow the customer value. And then you monetize it. So basically, it's, it's about um, maximizing the customer value and monetize it. Whereas most SaaS companies, are the strategies maximize the number of customers. Mm. So in the right. process, they spend all these this high customer acquisition costs. They have churn rates of, I don't know, 15 to 20%, which is insane. And in the process, they are burning a lot of money. But of course, they, they like to call themselves, we are customer-centric. But if you say to everybody, you are not customer-centric. You are customer-centric if you have the customer success at heart and build everything around it. So if I would today start a SaaS company, I would first start with the customer value. What is the value I want to deliver? And then build everything around. So how am I going to deliver the value? How must the product design look like? 
how is marketing sales, what they want to communicate, pricing strategy, et cetera, et cetera. What most SaaS companies don't seem to realize is because there are so many of them today, you have so much competition and that drives not only the customer acquisition costs, but also the expectations. So if I buy a product today and don't get the value I want, I simply move on and try another vendor. So there is uh, the famous, um, the MarTech, um, I don't know if you, if you know that the, the MarTech um, image where you see, I don't know, there are like 7K uh, companies in MarTech space. 8,000 8, now as per Scott Binker, yes. 8,000 8, now, yes. So there, but most companies are seem to ignore it. Mm. They still spend so much money on acquiring customers instead of growing them. Mm. While really each and every market research in SaaS says, says that, you, that, that new customer acquisition is by far the weakest growth level. Mm. Your starting point, according to you, is the customer data, which is already sitting inside your application. How does, how does a new SaaS company, which has really no data available, how do they apply your framework? Yeah, that's that's entirely different. If you are a new company, um, you have to let's say you have to work with assumptions. So you can do all your market research and, and prepare as well as you possibly can, but you still have to work with assumptions. So you work basically with a, a hypothesis, and then you go to market and you validate your hypothesis, and then you adapt. Mm. So in the, in, the, in the early days, churn is, is higher and then your customer acquisition cost is higher because you have to run experiments. But, but as you mature and gain more customer insights, you need to refine all your framework. Right. So, so tell me, I mean, I have been having some thoughts about this and I, I want you to, as an expert, to tell me, how can we build websites which will actually inform instead of making it a wide a net that whoever comes sound as if you are useful to them and so on. How can we narrow the net and actually give information to people who are most likely to benefit from our product? How do you do that? So the, the, the most effective way would be to, um, to narrow things down immediately. So ideally you have a website where a cost, where a possible customer comes and immediately, immediately can identify is that what I want or is it not? So, but, but most um, websites say things like, um, we are automating your marketing. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, yeah, that's nice. But every, every one of your competitors is doing the same. So, yeah. So what, what exactly do I get and what makes you special? So that's really what, what's, what's missing in, in most companies. So um, that's why I like um, com the companies of Drift and Gone. Because they're really special. They, they exactly say what the product is for. Mm. So um, Drift is basically, technically, it's, it's just a website chat. But they say, okay, it's to, to do marketing and sales right now. So it's not to um, customer support or customer success. They're really going on to the, the selling part. Mm. And many companies are afraid to lose customer if they exclude some. Yeah. But I... I would bet with you that that customers who are using Drift for marketing and sales will also use it for customer support and customer success. Right. 
Right. But everybody knows Drift is the platform for conversational marketing because that, yeah. that's what that's what they do. Yeah. And likewise, um, what Gong does is they are uh, recording basically your, your sales um, your sales course and identify your best sales practices. Mm. So that's some kind of differentiation. And, 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 and when people understand immediately what, what you're doing, they can, can also quickly verify if that's what they're looking for or not. So, but what, what most SaaS companies do is they, they keep things uh, most, most vague. Yeah. And basically have everybody talk to sales. Yeah. And the effect they create is so that, that sales waits like 80, 90% of the time with manually disqualifying non buyers. Yeah. Which yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. True. That's where most, most customer acquisition costs um, uh, come from. The, the, the one and one sales conversations. So ideally, your sales conversation should only be with customers who come with the right expectations. So mm -hmm. that the sales um, starts with qualifying these customers. So is the product the best for the needs? And do they possess the means to become successful with the product? Mm. So that's also a, a big part of, of my, 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 my framework. It's really, it's, it's really a company-wide framework. So customer success or customer value um, is not the responsibility of only the customer success team, but from everybody. Because really the only reason why a company exists is to make customers more successful. And that makes everybody part of customer success from the CEO down to really everybody. Everybody needs to contribute to help the customer achieve the goal. And, and also sales plays a, a big part because if they're selling to a customer who doesn't possess the means to become successful, they won't become successful. And, and in the end, it's just all you, you did is acquire, you have acquired, acquired churn because that's it. Customer success teams cannot fix a lack of fit. That it's impossible. They can certainly change a lot of things. They can train, educate, and consult the buyer. But if they don't have the resources or the culture or the processes, still mm. the customer won't be become successful. Right. Right. So so why why call this a customer value-led growth and not customer success-led growth? <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think um, customer success is, is yeah, it's, it's basically what creates the value. But um, customer success is, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think value, the value is a better term for because it's um, what the customer gets from the success. Right. So if, if I have the customer to, I don't know, double the sales quota, so basically, I could say, okay, that's that's really success. That's really success on, on, on the surface. But how yeah. much value doubling your sales quota has has for the customer? That that's from the customer. Right. So the customer needs to to evaluate for for themselves how much value is that kind of number we achieved or that goal we right. have achieved. Right. So I found this a bit more a bit more personal because right. in the end. All customer success is personal. So what really customers care about are not the numbers, but the meaning of the numbers. Fair enough. Because I think what you are talking of is outcome. 
end of the day, the outcome is what the customer is achieving. And uh, what are you achieving as a company by helping the customer achieve his, his outcome, that is his desired outcome. That becomes your desired outcome as well, right? It's time for a short break. Stay with us. After the break. So there's really um, what I call a customer success journey. And there are basically four major parts. One is the customer expectations, then the, the customer product fit, the onboarding, and the customer success pro. I like to call it the customer success program. Because to me, customer success should always be engineered. You are listening to a business podcast network original. Podcasting is the fastest growing content marketing opportunity, which is untapped. We can help you craft your audio strategy and help leverage the wide reach and easy streaming capability that the smartphone penetration provides. It is easy, it is powerful and personal. Talk to us to find out how podcasting can help you build your brand and reach out to your targets like never before. Write to us at bpn at bizcast.in that is bpn at b-i-z-c-a-s-t dot i-n Business Podcast Network Podcasts End to End Welcome back. I'm Shubhanjan Sarkar, your host for SaaS Stories and founder of Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Let's dive right back into this episode from where we left it. So, can you tell us some stories about brands which came to you, which were maybe early or not very large, and they and and how you help them identify their problems, identify uh, the customer value that they're delivering, and then help them through the growth phase. Yeah, so that the starting angle is basically always a high rate of churn. <laughs> mm. So, um, but, but, but to me, churn um, or retention, I mean, retention is obviously very important in SaaS, mm. but still for me, it's uh, the low-hanging fruit because after some time, you should no longer have to worry about churn, mm. but, but care about growing customers. Right. Because if you are growing your customers and they get so much value that they buy more resources, a churn never becomes an option. Because why should a customer who gets a lot of value even consider to part ways with you? Mm. So it doesn't really not make sense. So, um, and what most companies don't understand is that churn does not start after the customer um, bought the product. So as I've been talking before it, it starts way way much earlier in the process. So there's really um, what I call a customer success journey. And there are basically four major parts. One is the customer expectations, then the, the customer product fit, the onboarding and the customer success pro. I like to call it the customer success program because to me, customer success should always be engineered. Right. So the standard um, procedure in SaaS is usually to um, proactively reach out if you anticipate a customer has a problem. Mm. But um, there are a lot of risks within um, that kind of process. So customers are going dark without you noticing or customers not even getting started. So the idea for me is that you're, you are really like a teacher. So mm. you, you are leading the customer through the process and have the customer to acquire the knowledge and the skills um, to become successful. 
that also goes far beyond um, product education. To me, customer success is not product education, but for me is to help the customer solve the problems with the help of the product and its features, of course. But a customer um, who lacks of knowledge won't, won't see much success from the product itself. So basically, if you are um, if you're struggling with um, meeting deadlines for customer projects, so um, a product might not be enough to change it. So if you're struggling with, I don't know, um, scope creep or something or scheduling or um, distributing um, workloads, et cetera, et cetera, the product won't solve your problems. But you need to acquire the skills to how to do it better and then you transform it into the product. So, so one of the thing is in the early days when, when a, see, if you have a me too product, for example, you, you have acquired a customer from Drift and you have a very similar product like Drift, then typically the learning curve is very, very uh, sort of flat. It's not, not a curve anymore, right? But if you're selling them a new kind of product, getting the customer to engage in the learning process itself is a big challenge. I mean, customers come and sign up and then they're not available to invest time. They're not even, even if you're giving them free, you know, consultation, they are not, uh, they, they don't, they don't turn up. If you're running webinars and all, ask me anything sessions, they don't turn up except for the very engaged, they don't turn up. So how do you, how do you say the engagement, the teaching part that you are talking of, how do you do that effectively? So the most important part is to really start with creating a perception of value for the customer. So if you if you have this um, this approach on customer onboarding, uh, many companies uh, have actually have unfortunately is, um, they like to show the customer around and, and introduce them to each and every feature. Mm. But what they actually achieve is um, the customer gets confused, doesn't know where to start, gets nothing done. Uh, quits and will never sign up again. Mm. So, but um, there are basically better ways to do it. So my idea for onboarding is to start um, with a kickoff mm. where you talk to the customer and ask, hey, what do you want to do first? What's the most important thing for you? So and mm. this way to get your customer um, commit to your product and, and your process. So you need to start uh, building the relationship right from the beginning. Mm. If you reach out to the customer and tell the customer here, look that up and uh, send me a mail if there's a problem. So that's not a, not customer engagement. And I just recently uh, read um, a post on LinkedIn um, with a really scary number that 85% of customers who actually have a problem never reach out. Yeah. So you're, you're waiting... You're basically waiting um, for the customer to reach out, but the customer never does. And until you realize, okay, there's something wrong, the customer might be gone and will never come back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. my idea is to really uh, start that joint project with the customer, with a kickoff, mm -hmm. where you talk with the customer, what do you want to do first? Mm -hmm. um, and also to understand the customer's business. What are the processes? Why, why do they have this kind of, of problem? So and then mm. tailor your services to really give the customer a quick win and win their engagement and, and commitment. 
So that, that's all we want. We, we are impatient. We want success and we want it fast and easy. That's yeah. what everybody yeah. wants. And once yeah. we get that, we are listening. We're listening and we are curious to learn more. Yeah. yeah. And if you continue to help the customer solve the problems and, and generate value, the more hooked they will become. And that, that's how you turn the customer into um, that the nice term called raving fans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. A lot of products can benefit from word of mouth. And and th this is actually referral. It's it's the raving fans will give you referrals, right? They will come and tell another friend, hey, I love this product. If you're if you're doing X and I was doing X and and X X is the problem they're solving, they say, use this product and it solved my problem. And I and I swear by it. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Exactly. These are the, the benefits of successful customers. They will renew seamlessly because, as I've said, why should they leave if they get value? Then you will look into further scaling their value so they buy more resources. Mm. And of course, the more value they get, the more the highest the motivation to actually give referrals. So one, one thing in, in customer success is on the, the net promoter score, yeah, which I think is... Sorry, a, a, a totally crappy um, KPI. Huh. For once, it does not, not say that customers um, who have a high score will actually will actively promote your product, but also um, you see customers of your top segment also churn. Yeah. Why? Because net promoter scores and all the other scoring methods and all the other KPIs in customer success, none of it actually measures customer success. So right. customer, customers buy your product because they want to increase their revenue, to reduce their costs, or to improve their productivity. And as I've said earlier, the personal outcomes connected with these kinds of numbers. Mm. So and that's what you need to measure. If a new customer comes and wants to increase their revenue, you have, to, you have to measure if the customer actually got what they want. Yeah. So in the best case scenario, you have some kind of shared metric system where you, you and your customer together track the results and the progress. So at least you should do this for a bigger customers. Of course, if you have a customer who pays like 50 bucks a year, you can't invest that much of, yeah. of, of, of services. But for all larger customers, you really need to do that. You really Absolutely. need to invest into their success, build the right metrics, grow these customers and and you always need to to stay on top of it yeah yeah so another um, issue I often run into people saying okay we don't know whether customers will renew a contract next month mm. why because they have no idea if the customer is actually successful yeah so they rely on metrics to see okay the customer is has adopted all product features or the customer is highly active but none of these metrics actually says if the customer is successful. The customer might be online and using a product night and day, but not because they're so successful, but because they keep trying, 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 but get nothing done. But your metrics would never tell you that the customer yeah. does not get any outcomes. On the contrary, you would see, wow, this customer is amazing. That must be our... Um, or a champ, the champion um, of this company and, and our most, uh, yeah, a raving fan, as we've said earlier. Mm. 
But the truth is you are missing what's really going on. What is, according to you, the time required to actually implement a project like this and ensure that they have actually done everything to build the structures and the processes which will deliver the outcome that the customer is looking for? How much time does it take for and how long, how, how long does it take for the returns to show? Yeah, so um, it very much depends on, on that uh, how much data or what kind of data the company already gathers. Mm. So it's yeah, it's 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 odd to me, but most most SaaS companies they really don't know whether a customer is profitable or successful. Mm. So you you need first you need to determine customer profitability. Um, at least with an approximation of, of the service costs you have and the acquisition costs mm. from the customer. And you need you need to talk to customers. If you don't know what outcomes they actually get, you need to talk with these customers and ask them, hey, what's going on? How has your business changed since you're using our product? Mm. How did your metrics change? How did your, uh, your work change? So, um, do you more of the valuable tasks now and less of the invaluable? Mm. So if you're a sales rep, you don't want to spend 80% of your time um, entering your CRM, but you want to spend it with sales, for example. Mm. And also on the personal level, what, what is the personal outcome of, of the value you got from the numbers you've got? So did you get more recognition? Did you solve your pain points? So that's what, what companies need, need to identify first. So, and, and if you have none of this data, um, it maybe already takes some months until you, you collect all this data. So one question that I have when I'm listening to is that this customer success measurement KPI, this may vary from customer to customer, right? I mean, all yes. the customers may not see the same thing as what is giving them success. And you have to build your process around what the customer is thinking will give him success. Yes, but that, that's the natural way of things. But you need to stay on top and, and, and find out what is the customer goal. Mm -hmm. So ideally, you have already at least um, approximately defined it with a positioning. Mm -hmm. But you need to, to, to be clear about it. So what is the customer goal? How do they measure success and progress? Mm. And you need to stay on top of this. This is what you as a customer success manager need to track down. And as you've said um, about the return investment, um, most people think that that, um, that, that that new acquisitions let you grow faster. But the problem is it just appears to be faster. So that the reality is, um, okay, it, it, it may take only a month to acquire a new customer, and it may take six months to grow a customer. Mm. But the big, big difference is, so it may, be, may take six times as long to grow the customer, but the thing is the conversion rates on the whole different level. So if you have marketing qualified lead, conversion rates of, I don't know, 1% and 50% of your existing customers um, uh, expand, it's no match. Yeah. So you have basically... You, it takes six times longer, but you generate, um, you have uh, 50 times higher conversion rate. Right. 
and that's only that's only um, one impact because um, as I said you you need to monetize customer success so even without expansions or upselling um, you can raise your prices so most SaaS companies don't do that they use what I what they call um, competitive prices so they go to a competitor's website copy their prices and add or take a few percent so that's it but if, if you can um, raise your prices to the level what customers are willing to pay, you will grow insanely fast because a, a price increase will affect all new acquisitions, expansions, upsells, and renewals. And how do you do that? You need to raise the customer value and then their willingness to pay increases. So you basically have um, this individual effects with expansion upselling and you also have this, I don't know how to, to best um, call it, what's, what's the best term to call it? You have this collective um, collective uh, impact of customer success. And of course, on top, you also have um, a customer referrals. Yeah, yeah, makes complete sense. And the data also um, proves it. So I've read that... Um, SaaS companies with 100 million ARR or higher already make 50% of new ARR from existing customers. And Salesforce, I've recently read, they even make more than 70%. Mm. And it's it's all it's really so highly efficient because you have so you have to spend so much less money on growing an existing customer compared to acquiring a new one. Mm. It's it's really no match. But it's really hard to to yeah to get this into the heads of, of the companies and the CEOs. They are most of them are really triggered by this um, what I like to call the instant gratification. So they see okay, we generate leads and we, we generate sales, but they're all blinded by the by the fact that these sales are really highly ROI inefficient. So you spend so much money. So there are companies that, that have, I don't know, 60, 36 months of CAC payback, which, which is incredible. Yeah, within 36 months, a lot of things can happen. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Especially when your customer lifetime uh, is 60 for, uh, 36 months. Yeah, yeah. So you basically have a 100% churn <laughs> probability. Yeah, I think, I think, we need to relook at the KPIs. We need to relook at how we define customer success. We need to define growth versus profitable growth, customer versus profitable customers. Uh, I think these, these terminologies are critical and we need to rethink how we are doing business because end of the day, uh, more bootstrapped companies survive, which means they're doing something right with the customer because they need the customer to pay them vis-a-vis funded companies because they are just burning through cash and, exactly. and, and just going through acquiring and acquisition of customers, not focusing on the real business, which is making the customers, uh, making the customer successful. But the thing is um, when you are a venture funded um, company and you operate the same way a bootstrapped company does, so with profitable growth, growth, you will grow faster, further, and much more profitable. Right. So, but really, so many founders are blinded by the cash that they really are just wasting it on, on, on things that 
do not generate the ROI. Right. So what we need right. to, to go back to is how to grow in a sustainable way, yeah. in a customer-centric way, because today, as you've said in the beginning, the customer is in charge. So the customer has all the purchase power and the customer decides your faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. SaaS Stories is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform. Pitchlink enables high-quality interactions between buyers and sellers through presentation and discussion modules. Sellers create personalized sales presentations and reach out to prospects through a non-intrusive, buyer-qualified engagement. Pitchlink requires no installation or download and holds the entire repository of sales collaterals and buyer-seller conversation. Talk to us to know more about how you can engage with customers without intrusion. Call us on 990-216-3132. That is 990-216-3132. Marcus, thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today and I, I really enjoyed our chat. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Let's talk soon again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to that. We have a powerful lineup over the next couple of episodes with great conversations including Lazare Razilan, co-founder and CEO of Spoke and many more. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you do not miss a single episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being with us today and listening to this episode of SaaS Stories. This is where I speak with the dreamers and visionaries who dared to think ahead and build world-class SaaS products. We hope this conversation helped you with the insights that you can go and apply right now to your own SaaS journey. We hope to have you here with us again in the next episode of SaaS Stories. SaaS Stories is brought to you by Pitchlink, the buyer-seller engagement platform, and is a BizCast original production. 